0: this morning. Let's stand this morning. Oh, stretch out a little bit. Woo. Deep breaths. Isaiah chapter 41, God says this, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so, O oh God, would you hold us and keep us and strengthen us as we come and as we worship? Holy Spirit, come and fill this place, even as I know that you are already here and moving in our midst. Jesus name let's sing together there's nothing worth more that will ever come close to your presence there's nothing there's nothing I've
1: tasted and seen, I've tasted and seen, of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free, and my shame is undone, for your presence, Lord, your presence.
2: Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are here with us through the Holy Spirit. So help us to always be overwhelmed by your presence. Today, as we hear your invitation to be your disciple, have your Spirit move in us and help us to experience the goodness of your Spirit. Lead us, God. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take this opportunity to welcome each of you, especially if you're a guest with us today. We say welcome to Snyder. Uh, We have a couple of things going on. We're going to ask you to pass the friendship pads. Those are on the right sides of the aisles. Pass those down. Everyone sign it, especially if you're a guest, because that's how we start that process to get to know who you are. Pass it back so you can see who you're sitting with, and be sure and greet them after the service. Uh, Today we have discovery class, and that follows this service, and that's for anyone who is new and interested to learn more about who Snyder is and what makes us different from any other church, and so we invite you to join us right after this service, um, right up on the mezzanine, so out the door and up the stairs, and uh, you'll find us there with a a nice little uh, brunch for you as well, so uh, come join us. Um, Our updated church directories are in, and so if you had your picture made in the one that we just did in 2018, or had your picture made um, to update it, those are ready for you, and you can stop by the church office, and they'll check your name off and give you that free directory. Um, Couples Night Out is February 22nd, 3.30 to 7.30, but today is the last day to uh, register for that, uh, that and to reserve child care, so be sure and do that today. Um, and our Snyder Worship Technology team, y'all wave to us back there. They're in need of some help, some volunteers, so if you're interested, uh, you can see them uh, right after the service. Uh, We're also giving a special emphasis on Sunday school, or our Bible study time uh, each Sunday, and so um, Landon is going to come and share a little bit about that for you.
3: Well, good morning, everybody. Um, as Susie we said, we're focusing on Sunday School in the month of February, and they've asked a few of us to come up and just talk about our experience there. Um, I relate it closely to um, something I can, I can compare it to is in my professional life. I've been able to get involved with a group of people um, nationally actually through a lot of social media and whatnot that allows me to get together and share ideas about what we do in our businesses. Um, and I relate that very closely to, to Sunday School. We can all be off in our own islands and learning the Word and hearing sermons and understanding things from our specific lens, but when you get in that room and you're able to share amongst one another, um, you truly can start to, start to build community and understanding broader than just your specific worldview. And so that, um, that group that I'm involved with has a, has a hashtag, and it's called Better Together. And I think that works very nicely and fits together very well with Sunday school as well. We can, we can be better in life together. We can be better in our marriages together. We can just be better together. And so as we stand this morning and greet one another, I want you to turn to your uh, neighbor, welcome them, and say, what's the best part about Sunday school for you? So let's do that.
4: Sir uh-huh.
2: 9:23 through 25. And Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it and find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself?
0: Lord, would you forgive us today as we come to the cross, would you forgive us today of of things we've done, things we've left undone? Would you forgive us today for things that we have said and things that we have left unsaid. And may we, at your invitation, Take up the cross, following you, knowing that it is through your work on the cross that we are forgiven.
1: And where
5: love that hymn. We are working through Jesus' invitations to us in the New Testament. And folks, I, I want us to keep this in the, in the big picture perspective. Jesus is an inviter, and he invites us because he loves us, and he invites us into relationship with him, and out of that relationship we experience the abundant life. And so we're looking at all the different aspects of, of the invitations that Jesus has given us, uh, many of them, in the New Testament. While you're still standing, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 14th chapter. We've been singing a lot here about the cross this morning. We're going to talk about his invitation to to pick up our cross and to follow him, Uh, one of the great invitations in, in the Scriptures. Luke chapter 14, I'll read verses 25 through 35. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off. And will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. One of the earliest uh, game shows on television was in the mid-50s. It was before I was born, in case you're wondering. (laughs) It was a show called The $64,000 Question. And I don't think anybody here is old enough to remember it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It was a show where the contestant would begin with a very simple question for $64. If the contestant could answer that question, he or she was given the opportunity to answer the next question, which was worth more more money. And the goal, obviously, was to get to the final question, which would be the most difficult. It would be the most uh, uh, biggest payout of $64,000. But at every step along the way, the contestant had to make a decision. If I I can take the money that I've earned up to this point or I can wager it all on the fact that I might get the next question right. And so anytime they lose, if they risk it and say I'm going to wager it all and they didn't get the next question right, they went home with nothing. I want to ask a $64,000 question this morning. Is it possible to be a Christian and not to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life? It's more than an academic question. It goes to the very heart of Jesus' invitation in the New Testament to follow him and what it means to follow him. We have substituted beliefs about Jesus for a commitment to follow him. We can believe certain things about Jesus without it costing us a single thing. But if we dare to follow Jesus, it will be something very different. Our life will be different radically different. Our values and our priorities will be different. Our relationships will be different. You and I will be what Jesus has invited us to be, a disciple. And that word disciple comes from the word discipline, a disciplined follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage I read uh, for you that context is important. Jesus is sitting in a Pharisee's house, He had sitting at the table. He had just talked about this great banquet. That was one of our invitations we talked about. Jesus has invited us to the table. We had the Lord's Supper that day. Jesus invites us to celebrate here in this life at the Lord's table to to remember what he's done and to celebrate our future as we've placed our faith in our Savior Jesus Christ. We talked about the table in heaven the great banquet. Jesus is talking about that banquet at the, in the Pharisees' house with the, with the folks that were listening to him. And he talked about the banquet being ready, the invitations being extended, and a number of different people gave a number of different excuses why they couldn't be there. Well, I bought some, some oxen. I need to go try them out. Or, I bought a new tract of land and I need to go see what's there. Or the one gentleman said, I, I just got married. And that's significant. But all of them, in Jesus' stories, he's talking to the people at the table that day, were prioritizing things in this world Over the kingdom of God. And what Jesus was saying was. That some of you are going to invest yourselves in things in this earth. That are going to preclude you. From entering into the. To being at the great banquet. To entering into the kingdom of God. And so Luke is getting ready. As he shares his gospel with us. He's getting ready to clarify Jesus Actual invitation to each one of us. Folks, what Jesus has invited us to do is more than just get saved. And I know we use that term in Baptist churches all the time. And it's important that we receive the gift of his salvation that Jesus has called us to receive. But Jesus' actual invitation is more than to be saved. It's an invitation to follow Christ. It's an invitation to be his disciple to carry our cross. It's very interesting, uh, all, if your Bible is red letter edition, everything except the first verses and red letters that I read this morning, the first thing that the Bible tells us in this passage is that large crowds were following Jesus. That's a good thing, right? That a lot of people are following Jesus. Jesus is not impressed with large crowds. He wasn't then, and he isn't today. It's so different from how you and I think, even in churches. We want a lot of people, and we do want a lot of people, but Jesus wasn't impressed with numbers, Jesus was looking for disciples. And so Jesus uh, is on the road to Jerusalem. He knows he's on the way to the cross. He knew exactly where he was headed. The crowds thought he was going to his kingdom, and they say, man, let's follow this guy. This guy's awesome. We're going to follow him. And then Jesus turns to them, and he preaches a sermon that deliberately thins the ranks. Who does that? (laughs) Who has a large bunch of people follow him and turns around and he says, let me tell you something about what it means to follow me. It means to pick up your cross daily and follow me. And so the ranks thin out. He makes it clear he's more concerned about commitment than numbers. He's looking for total allegiance from those who want to follow him. Jesus never hid the truth about what it costs to follow him, and neither should the church. We can't get caught up in building numbers when we've been commissioned to build disciples. And so Jesus lays out the specifics of his invitation very clearly. A true disciple, according to Jesus, loves Christ supremely. I remember in the military, when you're out there on the ground and you're in combat, and Desert Storm is a, is a perfect example, you want the right guys flying over your head. You want American aircraft and allied aircraft flying over your head. And so there are terms in the military, one of them is air superiority. That's when your air force is better than the enemy's air force. That's a good thing. But what you really want is you want air supremacy. Air supremacy is it's only your people that are flying, the enemy has nothing in the air. So you know that as you move forward on the ground, the enemy can't see anything from above. And so Christ is calling us to love Him supremely, that in comparison, nothing else is even flying. Nothing else is even in the game. And that's why he uses these languages. You must hate your father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters. My goodness, that's strong language. And Jesus didn't mean literally. I love my wife. And the Bible tells me to love my wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. But we shouldn't be too quick to throw the command out either. And that's what we do. Well, he doesn't really mean that. But what he does mean is in comparison to these other special relationships in our life, we need to love Christ supremely. And it applies to all of our relationships. Any relationship that pulls us away from loving Christ supremely supremely is unhealthy. And it's dangerous to our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the choice of our friends is critical. And the Bible talks about that in the Old Testament especially. But also the New. You and I need to choose who we spend our time with. Do we need to be interacting with people that need to know Jesus? Absolutely we do. But our friends and the people we spend a lot of time with, they ought to be people that share our values so that we don't get pulled down. And you and I see that every day in our culture. Same thing with those of you who are not yet married. It's very important for a believer to be dating another believer. The Bible warns us about being unequally yoked. And so we get ourselves in a relationship because he or she is nice looking or they're athletic or all these different things that are important that you look for. But does that person love Jesus like you do? Because the Bible commands us to be in a relationship with someone with whom we're equally yoked, and it means spiritually most significantly. And so all these relationships come into play. I want to share with you a passage from from Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 10, I'm reading from verse 32 through 38. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose, this is Jesus talking, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus isn't telling us to hate our loved ones. But what he's saying is, I'm inviting you into a relationship with me, and I want you to be my disciple. And I want you to put me at the top of your priority list so that there's no one even compares to to your loyalty and your love for me. We also must give up everything. We must hate our own life. That's verse 26. Not literally. My goodness, life is a gift from God. Jesus came to bring us life eternal life an abundant life and many of us are not experiencing that because we're living in Lives of disobedience or we're not all in with Christ, but Jesus says you got you hate your own life Does not mean it does mean prioritizing God's will over our own personal ambitions living our lives for Christ and not for ourselves Matthew 10, 29, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus is inviting us to abundant life, but that life is found when we lose our life in him and let him take complete tro- control of our priorities. And then we must give up everything we have. That's toward the end of this passage. That's another tough one. i, I got to give up everything I have to be a disciple? Maybe I don't want to be a disciple. But Jesus tells us you've got to give up everything you have. Disciples left their nets. On the spot, we talked about that in the first invitation, they left their home, they left their family, they left everything. They left their means of of, of making a living, and they followed Christ immediately. You see pictures in Acts of the church, the early church coming together, and giving up all kinds of things that they owned so that everybody in in the new growing church family had everything that they needed. And so you have this concept in the New Testament very early on in following Jesus and in becoming the early church. We must not let our wealth and material possessions come between us and God. The rich ruler was a perfect example when Jesus met that man. He said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him all kinds of things. He said, I've done all those kind of things, man. I'm tracking. And Jesus says, you only lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And that ruler that day went away sad. Unwilling to part with his material wealth, in order to follow Jesus and be his disciple. And Jesus knew that was the man's issue, which is why he challenged him with that particular challenge. Jesus said, no one can serve both God and money. We have to choose. We have to choose who our God is gonna be. Is it gonna be the Lord Jesus or is it gonna be our material possessions in life? I've used this illustration before, but it's one that stands out to me, Steve Jobs. Everybody in America knows his name. Co-founder and CEO of all things Apple. Died at the age of 56 in 2011. At the time of his death, he was worth $10.2 billion. Someone did the math on the, on the computer for me. He would be worth $23 billion today. Steve Jobs was not a, fan, a follower of Christ. You can read that in his bio that's on open source information. The man gave up eternal life for a fortune he couldn't keep. What does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world, to be worth $10.2 billion and forfeit his or her own soul. Jesus invites us to love Him more than anyone or anything for our benefit, not His. A true disciple carries his or her cross daily. That sounds so archaic to us. It sounds so unpleasant. The cross was not only the instrument on which Jesus died. The cross symbolizes, as Jesus is talking about here, God's will for his son. It was part of God's plan and God's will for his son, Jesus. And you see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane embracing the cross. How can I say that? Well, Jesus got in there and prayed that if, the, if at all possible, God would let the c- pass. But then he says, and he says it from his heart, Nevertheless, Father... It's not what I want. It's your will. I want your will to be done in my life. And so Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane at the very end of his life on this earth embraced the cross. For you and me, our cross is personalized. You and I come from different walks of life, different biological parents, different career fields, and yet Jesus says take up his or her. It's a personalized cross. And what he's saying to you is, I want us to you and me is I want you to follow God's will for your life that's what I mean by cross we don't walk around just carrying a wooden structure on our our back every day but we live each and every day surrendering our will to the Father's will just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane to be like Jesus and completely surrendering to the Father's will it's God's general will that's revealed in Scripture there are things that the Bible tells us about how we are to live We're to live lives that reflect the fact that we have a personal relationship with Jesus. That we value the things that he wants us to value. That we love him more than anyone or anything else in the world. But there's also a specific will. And people ask, somebody asked me about that this past week. I get questions about that all the time. How do I know what God's will is for my life? I know what the Bible says in general. But how do I know specifically in choices that I need to make? Choices about marriage. Choices about career. Choices about moving. There are specific decisions that you and I make in the course of life that God wants us to be in the center of His will. I know that I made marriage a a matter of of personal prayer. I wanted to marry the person that God wanted for me, and I did. And God will guide us in those kinds of decisions in life. Same thing with my call to ministry. My call to, to ministry to be a pastor is no more special than what God calls you to do in life. God calls us to do all kinds of different things in life because all kinds of people in all walks of life need a Christian walking, walking alongside them to share Christ. My call to come here to Snyder was a specific discerning of God's will. I was very happy where I was at that time. But we need to discern what God's will is and we pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us. We need to pick up our cross daily, that personalized will that the Father has for each and every one of us, and we need to carry that cross forward each and every day. To carry one's cross also means to embrace the consequences of discipleship. It's a lonelier walk, folks. Jesus told us it would be. I've had fewer friends throughout the years than many of the people that I know. But the friends I have are good ones. they are men and women who believe in Jesus Christ as I do, and we walk the road together. I can depend on them any day to help me in my walk or to hold me accountable. But it's a lonelier road. Jesus said, small is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and there are few people that are going to find it. You want to get on the broad with everybody? You'll have lots of companions, but it'll be the wrong road. The ridicule and hostility that comes increasingly in our culture as you identify with Christ and his values. Or doing without some of the things in this world because you say, you know what, I'm going to give. I'm going to give to the Lord through the local church because that's what the Bible wants me to do. And I'll do without, whatever that special thing that I, that I want. It's a daily decision. If anyone would come after me, he or he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, Jesus said, and follow me. We follow Jesus one step at a time, one day at a time. Jesus invites us to carry our cross and follow him. And third, a true disciple counts the cost. Jesus spends a lot of time right here in this passage talking about counting the cost doesn't hide it he doesn't hide it at all a true disciple counts the cost of following jesus he gives two specific examples the tower is probably at a vineyard people would have that was where all their wealth was in their vineyard and they would put towers up watch towers if you would to walk about people who may be coming in to plunder or something that might be coming in to destroy fires coming in or whatever that's what the tower build who builds a tower and doesn't count the cost first who's going to put the foundation in and can't finish the, the tower Of course somebody's going to say, this is what I need, this is how much it's going to cost, this is how much of the materials I have to have before I start building the tower. Or a a king who's going to do war with somebody who has twice as many men as he does. If I can't beat them, I'm going to make peace with them, Jesus says. And there are many examples in modern uh, history of, of nations that miscalculated the enemy. It did not come to terms with peace and they lost. We shouldn't attempt costly ventures without a realistic estimate of the cost. And you and I make these decisions each and every day. Is this worth my time? Is this worth my energy? Is this worth my resources? Am I willing to pay the price necessary to make this happen? I remember in seminary one time, an evangelism professor, Dr. Louis Stroman. He was sharing Christ with somebody and talking about, you know, uh, making this commitment to follow. And the man asked him, do I have to give up smoking to be a Christian? And Dr. Drummond said, yes. Now, do you have to technically give up smoking? No. But what Dr. Drummond knew this man was asking was, what can I keep? What can I do on my own and still follow Jesus? What's the minimum requirement, if you would? And that's the mistake we make. Jesus is calling us to be all in, to count the cost and to say, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to follow Jesus. Jesus never hesitated to tell his followers he wanted all or nothing. We read in Luke's gospel, the ninth chapter, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus invites us to count the cost, all of it, and to say, I'll follow him. To answer my opening question, can a person be a Christian and not make Jesus Lord of your life? I want to suggest to you this morning that there is a difference between professing to be a Christian and being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. The problem is that many have misunderstood or misinterpreted Jesus' actual invitation. It isn't just to get saved, as important as that is. His invitation is to make Jesus Lord. To be a disciple. To pick up our personalized cross and to follow him each and every day in life. The commitment to follow Jesus can be very costly. I'm not telling you something that Jesus hasn't told us in scripture. But it is absolutely fulfilling and exciting to be in the center of God's will. And that's exactly where God wants us. Do you know what my daily prayer is? And I got a son and daughter-in-law here. you know what my daily prayer is for my children and my grandchildren? that they will be in the center of God's will for their life all days of, all, every day that they live. And why do I pray that? I pray that because I know that Jesus loves them. And I know that the abundant life for them is going to be found for them in the center of God's will for their specific life. That is my heartfelt prayer for the people that I love the most next to Jesus. The center of God's will is the best place for all of us to be. It will guarantee us that we'll get to the destination that Jesus has promised us we'll get to. And it also guarantees us that we'll accomplish the things he wants us to accomplish in our life between now and that point in time. And by the way, the one who calls us to follow him with our cross, no matter how tough that road may be, will walk with us every step of the way. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, Jesus said, cannot be my disciple. That's Jesus' invitation to you and to me. And that invitation, folks, leads to life. Eternal and abundant. Let's pray together. Father, we love to sing about the cross. We love the cross on which your son died because it gives us eternal life. But we're not so excited about talking about our own cross. And perhaps we don't think about it enough. And yet that is exactly what your son Jesus invites us to do. To take up our personalized cross. To get in touch with your specific will for our individual lives. Every day. And to live each day for you. Following Jesus the way he followed your will. One step and one day at a time. And so Father thank you for calling us into relationship with you thank you for giving us a cross to carry thank you for loving us enough that you have a plan and purpose for our lives and in that plan and purpose we will find the abundant life you came to bring us thank you father for loving us this much in jesus name amen i want to ask you this morning have you made the decision to receive christ as your savior and lord i'm not going to sugarcoat it i didn't sugarcoat it today because jesus doesn't either count the cost. It is a costly decision to follow Jesus. But folks, I'm, I'm 63 years old. I made my decision to follow Jesus at the age of nine, which means I've been walking with him for 54 years. It has been an awesome journey. I wouldn't trade it for the world, literally. I don't know what life would be like without Jesus. I have no concept. I wouldn't want to live it without Jesus. And so, yes, are there some costs and some decisions that you, things you may give up, There very will may be, but Jesus is calling you to relationship. He's calling you to life. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I want to invite you to do that this morning. We will celebrate your decision, and so will he. Christian, this is a wonderful church. I love being your pastor. There are many godly men and women, boys and girls in this church. Jesus has called us to take up our collective cross, to be all he's called us to be here at Snyder Memorial Baptist. If you're looking for a church home and God has called you here to Snyder, you know that's his plan and purpose for your life. Don't delay that decision anymore. You can come forward this morning to your invitation and say, I wanna become a member of this church. I wanna carry my cross and I wanna help our church carry our collective cross for Christ. I know God is speaking. Whatever he's saying to your heart and your mind, I pray that you'll listen to his voice and you'll respond. Let's stand as we sing.
0: God, our help, our very present help in time of trouble, you are our refuge and strength. And as we turn our hand to giving of our tithes and offerings this morning. It is an act of trust, an act of declaration that that you are our refuge and strength and not anything in this world. So as we give this morning, may it be one more commitment, one more sign of commitment that we are your disciples and we trust you even though it's hard even though the way is narrow in Jesus name we pray amen holy there is no one like you there is none beside
5: some folks to you this morning. Beverly Yeomans, Yeomans, please come and join me. Had a chance to speak with Beverly before the service today, Uh, has found a church home here at Snyder, Uh, has a relationship with the Lord, Uh, has been baptized, but wants to come and be a part of our, our, uh, officially our church. And then the Gooch family, Matt and Jeanette, please. And then Ben and Emma. Uh, Matt and Jeanette have a relationship with the Lord. Jeanette's not been baptized, come from another faith tradition, but is willing to do that next Sunday. By the way, we have a baptism service next Sunday, and I think we're going to be able to baptize quite a few folks in this service and the second service. But I want you to know that Ben and Emma are coming to make their public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and they too will be baptized with their mom next Sunday. So if you celebrate with me, and I know that you do, will you say welcome to Snyder? Please take a moment to come forward and welcome these new members into our fellowship and give them an experience of the warm, sweet spirit that we have here at Snyder. Let's stand for, for our benediction. Father, what a joy to be a part of your church family. What a joy to see these come and unite with us. What a joy to see these two young people to place their faith in Jesus Christ with their whole life ahead of them. And, Father, we're excited for them, and we're excited for our church. Thank you, Father, for being the great God that you are. Thank you for calling us to the abundant life uh, that you call us to. And thank you for the example of your son, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we will indeed take up our cross one day at a time and follow him into life. In Jesus' name, amen.